Today we are hanging out with Madigiti from digitymarketing.com. He needs no introduction for those of you who have been doing some SEO or affiliate marketing. Uh, but we're going to chat uh, with Matt about how he was able to say hasta la vista boss to his manager, to his job, build his side hustle and uh, move to Chiang Mai and build this awesome lifestyle for himself and his beautiful family. We're going to talk about the ups and downs, of course, and uh, SEO topics and most importantly your questions if you have any ready for this vamonos what's up boss adrian diaz here with hasta la vista boss the place where ambitious people like you and i matt in the chat we talk about how to create a side hustle Make it profitable, quit your job, become your own boss. How cool is that? Now, I'm so excited, my hands are shaking. <laughs> Still, welcome to Hasta La Vista, Boss Matt. How are you doing? Doing very good. It's a nice sunny day over here in Chiang Mai. That's a rare thing in rainy season. So, I'm happy. I'm good. Man. I'm happy to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. <laughs> Thanks a lot for accepting. You know that, uh, like I was saying before, you are one of my idols in this space. Uh, I learned shitloads from you, from watching your videos, um, and and your free content is awesome. And uh, many people said, "Hey, how the hell did you manage? <laughs> how did you manage to uh, to bring Matt in the um, in the show?" Well, um, I don't know. I think he's just an amazing guy. <laughs> I don't know. You, the title of your show is just like a no-brainer for me. Like the entire reason and the entire purpose that I even bother having a blog or having a course or anything like that is exactly because I, I want exactly what you want with your show. I want to help people quit their day job because That's my awesome. situation before was horrible, absolutely horrible for me. So uh, it was a no-brainer to say yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. Thanks again. Uh, what's going on with this sun? He's going to kill me the sun today. We in London, we hate sun. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of rain. Um, before we move on, Matt, let me see if there's anybody in the chat. Usually I do these live streams at 8 p.m., not 8 a.m. Um, uh, but let me see if there's anybody here in the chat. We can welcome who's here. Mark, welcome. How's it going, Mark? He wake up. Two o'clock in the morning to see us, <laughs> to watch us. Thanks for that, brother. Um, Matt is in Thailand, uh, Mark. So he's six hours ahead of me. Uh, Adrian is here as well. Roger, how's it going, boys? And Michael is here in the chat. How's it going? Good morning. How's in Poland? <laughs> hey, hey, nice and sunny, 30 Celsius degrees. So I'm like super happy about it. You love it, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. I mute myself because there's a renovation <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> well, if uh, you have any questions, um, Michael, uh, guys in the chat, bosses in the chat, let us know. And we're going to come back to those for sure. Um, so I want to start with Matt. Of course, um, there's so many things I want to ask you, but uh, let me ask. Let me start with, with how did you uh, make your first buck online? Mm, okay. So basically I was an engineer. Uh, my, the company I worked for was from the Silicon Valley and they were making producing software, really expensive software to help people like Qualcomm, Intel, all these guys like make micro semiconductor conductor chips. And yeah, it was like, I guess, it, I don't know if you're an engineer, you come in out of college, it sounds like a dream job. That's great. It's going to pay me a hundred thousand dollars a year or more. And I was in a kind of role that was like half engineer, half sales. So at least I got to talk to a human every once in a while, which is kind of cool. But uh, like I was just getting super burnt out. That that whole industry is very, very like whoever puts in the most hours and is the one that's going to get promoted kind of thing. So I was right. like working 60 hour weeks and just, just dying. Like honestly, just dying. So uh, event, one of my buddies handed me the four hour work week, which is I'm sure a lot of people, especially on this show, I've read that probably <laughs> you got your Bible right next to you. Okay, good. good. 
Yeah, so I read that book and then I just like started going down the rabbit hole on different ways to make money online and found affiliate SEO right away. And I found blogging. So the first blog I ever made, I never told anyone about this, but this it was a blog. You know, when you're doing like at the beginning of your path, you're trying to do niche research and everyone's like, well, what do you, what do you know? What are you passionate about? And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So my first blog was about getting drunk and getting hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's what I was really into when I was working 60 hour weeks <laughs> as an engineer. So I made a blog called cave day. And um, you might find it on Wayback Machine. It was just like, it was just a humor blog and we monetized it with AdSense and we sold like hangover pills and like breathalyzers and stuff like that. So that was my first blog. That's awesome. I have a friend who's doing this, um, uh, like Lad's Bible. Do you know that brand, Lad's Bible? And they do all this silly stuff with... <laughs> with yeah, they're great. Yeah. They're great. So I have a, I have a friend who has a website uh, a website and a Facebook group about that and they do all this silly stuff about getting drunk and you know <laughs> going on holidays and and honestly <laughs> it's funny yeah. but he needs to uh, he needs to learn how to monetize it though uh, all right. <laughs> listen I have um I have something that now that you mentioned your 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 job previous uh previous starting your online gig um, I remember a story that it's so freaking inspiring to me because I know, I know that things are not going to go always as you plan them. And, uh, it, it reminded every time it reminds me about, about, you know, how difficult this is. Can you tell me how you deal with failure and how, um, how, when you started, um, I'm going to let you tell the story. Like when you, when you started, you, you quit your job Things didn't went well. You came back. Can you can you tell us about that story? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. So, so the like I quit my job, just completely burnt out, freaked out one day, just like enough's enough, I'm done, and I put in two weeks' notice, and then I was just like done with it. And right after that, I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna chill for a little bit. I'm gonna do the opposite of engineering for a while. So let's go learn how to be a yoga teacher. Like I actually like yoga, but I actually did go and study for a month and learn how to teach yoga. But after when I was done with that, I was like, okay, I, I, I wet my, wet my feet a little bit with internet marketing and SEO. So let's like really try going after that. So I built a couple of different websites and I wouldn't say that they were not successful. I mean, they, they're making money and their trajectory was going up, but it definitely wasn't, you know, six figure, six figure job replacing income. And I was living in, in San Diego. So like I was cash flow negative. That's absolutely true. Um, but the reason I did have to go back to work is because I met a girl and <laughs> my whole plan the whole time was uh, to go start traveling full time and hit the road and live in Thailand, li live in other places. And when I met the girl, she, she didn't want to do that right away. Oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> she yeah, had to get to know me first. Yeah, that's a bit crazy, you know, <laughs> to expose someone to that big idea that you have, that big vision. Must not yeah, be easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I went back to the old job simply because I, I, was, I was in the red, you know, I had to go back to work. Uh, it wasn't so, so much that those projects failed, but they did, they did fail eventually. I would find that out eventually, yeah. That's great, man. <clears throat> and um, uh, like, because I know that many people, I mean, I started about three years ago. And um, uh, like we were talking, early, uh, you know, before we go live, it's not easy, especially if you have a job like mine, 10, 12 hours, plus the commute, 15 hours out of your place. It's not freaking easy to first to, to put a plan in place to make this thing work. And then after, like, I'm almost three years into this thing and I'm not, what would you say, successful, right? I mean, I'm not my own boss um, after almost three years. So most people will quit at this point or even before that. Um, what make you uh, keep going at that point when you, when you, when you say, oh, these projects uh, are a failure? Uh, what, what kept you going? Man, so... In my situation, it was more like the this decision was made for me 
or like when I say that my job as an engineer was bad, I can't, I can't highlight enough like how bad it really was. Just to, just to kind of set uh, set the stage a little bit, like I was straight up depressed. So, in this point of time in my life, it was figure this out or nothing. I specifically remember like all my lunch break at work, like going to Subway sandwiches, watching someone make me a sandwich, and just thinking like. I bet this person's happier than me. Like <laughs> I bet this dude right here, not not simply because like obviously they weren't entrepreneurs either, but just because they weren't doing my job, I guarantee they were happier. So for me, it was like there was no there was no going back. I had to figure out how to make it work. And it, like even part of my reasoning was you know like if I can just make a thousand five hundred bucks a month and like move to somewhere like bali or something that's really cheap like that's that might be an existence that i would i would need to explore right so it was kind of just like i i kind of had to do it um but i do really vibe with your situation like i i know what you're talking about like you you especially right you're going doing construction there's a commute all the money, like like you're living in a really expensive place. Like I get how challenging that is, but you you have you have two ways to go about it, in my opinion. One is you quit and you pull the plug, and then this big fire is lit under your ass. You have to do it. You have to do it to survive. And easier way to sort that out is like relocate to a cheaper country, where like you know in, in Thailand, for example, like you can get by on seven hundred to thousand dollars a month. And then it's a lot easier. You have more headspace to focus on reinvesting in your business and stuff like that. In your situation, as you told me before we started this call, like your father, that puts a whole level of responsibility and fear factor into it. And I truly believe, and I think you're finding this probably yourself, is you gotta you gotta replace the income as you're still employed at the old job. Yeah. Otherwise, that's you're just gonna feel like it's an irresponsible decision or too risky for for your particular family the family yeah. and all that definitely yeah you 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 know it <laughs> you know it because it's um you know um many friends will say hey why don't you move to uh, another place and i i talk to my missus hey why don't we move to spain for example we have mm -hmm. a, a property and fingers crossed we we buy a second property there in the next month um as a property investment but let's I say, hey, let's move there. It's it's a small city, it's a beautiful city with beach and all that, and life is cheaper. Why don't we move there? Oh, maybe maybe not because the kids now go to school. You know, it's for me to kind of um, make my misses and everybody to uh, you know to drag everybody after me. It's so much difficult that uh, like again, well, like we were talking before the call you did this before you had a family you know where you you know whatever risk you're gonna take is just you and it's just you by yourself <laughs> and um, yeah. uh that's that's something i i still need to fight with my missus hey let's go to somewhere cheaper <laughs> um yeah. but thanks there's thanks another for those. solution that yeah i uh, just want to yeah add something in there like there's another solution that i have a buddy in in chiang mai that's exploring uh, shout out to Lori. So Lori, he's he's a coder, right? He's got a job where he remotes, works remotely here in, in Chiang Mai, and he gets paid a, a nice salary, right? Oh man, I wonder if employers <laughs> gonna li listen to this. I hope not. Don't say um, the salary. Anyway, so so like he he's working full on eight ten hour shifts, just like you. So like he has no time to do it at the end of the day. But he's when he works on his SEO, when he works on his affiliate sites at the end of the day he never works in them he works on them so from the beginning he's always just he's worked on systems he's worked on hiring he's worked on giving people other things to do so in terms of the the grand landscape of how evolved he is in his business he's actually not a beginner he's at an intermediate level he's got all the systems he's got different people doing the different jobs and stuff because he knows i have no time to ever do it myself it's this or nothing right Right. Um, so that's an approach that you might go down, like, whereas you're just going to have to look at every single minute of your day and just say, I I'm not going to log in and insert this link. Someone else has got to do it. And I need to start on hiring that person and building that system to do that right now, or else it's never going to happen. 
Yes, that's um, <clears throat> again a, a topic that I I'm I'm very um, how do you say I want to learn how to do that desperately because uh, again like we were chatting before um, I guess one way for me to move forward faster and and kind of uh, build my side hustle at the same time as I'm I'm having my day job since I can't quit. Um, <clears throat> before i have you know something uh at least the same as my day job um is buying someone else's time right so mm. I, i'm i'm wondering and um please uh, see if you can go back in time and uh if you remember how was the first time uh that you outsourced something or you brought someone into your processes uh how how that uh decision was like what did you decide to outsource first? Uh, where was it? Or if, any, any help in 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 that regard would be uh, very much appreciated, Matt. Yeah. So I it's yeah it's an it's an intimidating thing the the first hire because in our experience, especially at the beginning of the journey, SEO is complicated. And if I barely got my head wrapped around it, like how can I instruct someone else to do it? So I, I get how challenging it is. I think the first step of the game is like most people hire a content writer and that can just be through a service. Like you can just go to word agents, text brokers or anyone and just plug and play. Here's money. Give me content. Here's my spec, you know, that kind of thing. So that's a good way to get started because it's, it's the easy mode. You, there's no interview process. You just like pay and receive. Right. <laughs> so that's a, a good start to getting your feet wet. My first hire, what was my first hire? Uh, I don't know, I think it was, oh yeah, 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 building PVN. So like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a gray hat SEO. Um, and then back in the day, I was, we, uh, at one point I had 10,000 PVN. So like, wow. at the beginning of that journey, one of the first hires was just a PVN builder. So yeah, I mean, it, I mean, what, what questions do you have about it? Like how to, uh, how to hire this person? Uh, let's, let me see. Um, so at, at the moment I, I'm building some SOPs. I mean, not, I, I've been doing this for about six months, uh, to eight months or so, uh, just recording everything that I do. Right. So I have on one screen, I have the website open and the other side, I have uh, a spreadsheet and I say, okay, um, we, we, um, editing this article and then as I do the steps I record them on on the spreadsheet now what I want to do I want to bring someone to help me with that part of editing or maybe um, or maybe uh, being in touch with the writer so I don't have to you know go talk to the writer make these changes uh, because I, I I don't want I don't have time so I, I in in maybe Tell me how, how to, uh, let me see the question, mm, how to work with a VA, especially in, in the Philippines, or these guys are kind of shy, um, you know, they don't want to come on Skype calls, um, any tips on that? Mm, okay, this is a big question, and this is like all I do now, so like, at a certain level in SEO, like this is all you do is hire and manage. Like you stop doing anything else. You stop logging into WordPress completely mm. and all you do is hire and manage. So I'm pretty passionate about this. And I, I finally think like in 2020, like now I can definitely say I'm good at it. So it starts with hiring, man. Like you, you should never hire someone that's not an A player. And right. what is the definition of an A player? Check out this book called Who? The A Method of Hiring. I, I got to say, it's one of my top five business books, period. But their definition of an A player is someone who can do, has an 80% higher chance of doing all the work that only 10% of the other candidates could do. So it's just like they can do, they can, they have a really good chance of accomplishing stuff that almost no one else can do. Mm -hmm. So how do you hire A players? So this is quite challenging. And, and, and you might even think like, well, I'm just, it's a basic hire. My first hire is going to be really basic. All they're supposed to do is log in and change the title tags or something like that. Like, I don't care what position it is. You want A players, the whole company through and through because one B player, one C player becomes toxic. 
becomes right. toxic to whoever manages them and it becomes toxic downstream too. B players will never hire an A player. So if you get a B player in a management position, everyone below them is going to be a B player or worse. Why? Because they're intimidated by A players making them look bad. Mm -hmm. So B player will just keep that whole department crappy. So hiring, what do I do? Like the first thing that I would do is you got to source the leads and, and with, with candidates, with this whole like lead flow or, you know, candidate flow, you want to be doing it all the time. We, we have this policy at all of my businesses called never stop hiring. And we have a sheet and whenever I'm at a conference or I'm talking to someone or anyone says, this guy's smart, this guy's good. I write them down and I start building a relationship. I'll send them an email, introduce myself and just stay in, stay in touch with them whenever a job opportunity comes up. Because when, you, when you're hiring and you need it next week, right now, you don't have the time to sort through and make the right decision. You're going to just accept anyone who you can find, right? Right. And another thing too is like, a, a players are always employed. B players are the ones that don't have jobs. A players already have jobs. So you need to have these conversations even when they're at other jobs. Um, right. No, that's, but let's say, you, yeah, go ahead. No, no, there's, um, uh, I, I'm going to let you finish your idea because mine is, is going to drag you back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So, so let's say, I mean, you're starting from the beginning. You don't have this Rolodex. You don't have a whole bunch of people that, are your always be hiring sheet on your always be hiring sheet. So one thing I do is like, where do people hang out for the position I'm looking for? So let's say content writers or content editors, like you're talking about, like I'd go to a place like the cult of copy Facebook group. I think it's called cult of copy job boards. And I'd put up a post saying, you know, basic specifications about the job and I'll lead them into a form, a form of ours where they can fill it out, put in their information. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of good questions in there. Some of them would be like, what is your English level on a scale of one to 10? An eight or higher is required for this job. And I'm going to ignore anyone who doesn't put a 10 down. When you right. say eight or higher is, is required, it's going to encourage them to be honest, but you're only going to take the 10. So that's going to filter this list down from 200 people to 12 people, right? You can also do other questions like, what's your, what's your confidence with the subject matter, right? Like, uh, let's say you're writing about health, like, or fitness, what's your confidence with fitness? And do you work out eight or higher is required for the job? You're only going to take the tens. So then you go into the interview process and this is like a four stage interview. There's, there's a sourcing, there's screening, there's all these different steps to it. Read the book who made a method for hiring. Um, and then let's say you do find your A player. Like now we get into the management part. But before I do that, uh, did you want to ask a question yet? Yeah, uh, no, not part. yet. Uh, it's still my question. Is still gonna draw you, uh, drag you all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then I'll I'll go into management. Yeah. Right. So the thing with management, what I've t typically learned, there's a few different concepts. Is like there's different personality types, and in, in these personality model that I use is called DISC, D-I-S-C. And uh, like certain personality types are incapable of doing certain jobs, right? So there's a spectrum that's really good at, for example, detail orientedness and managing sheets and stuff like that. And then there's a, there's a personality type on the opposite end. You don't want the guy on the opposite end doing your accounting, for example, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you, you need to line them up with the job. The next key crux is you always want to assign responsibilities and not tasks. So a task would be, you're supposed to go into this website and insert these links to these pages and then report back to me when you're done. A responsibility version of that is you're responsible for maintaining the link flow of the entire website as per the standard operating procedure and maintaining them and improving them on an ongoing basis. It's still the same thing, but the different wording of it requires this person to take responsibility for it. I have this responsibility. Like, this is what I'm supposed to like get really good at and be like, my name's on the line. I, yeah. My name, I don't yeah. feel attached to like making three, three links. I feel attached to being responsible for this whole kind of the health of the website. Right. So that, that's another thing. And then the, the last thing I just wanted to part with for now is like, I make everyone create their own SOPs. So, if it's the first time a 
I'm doing or teaching some kind of job, I'm just going to hop on Zoom like we are right now. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a screen share and I'm going to show them day by day, you know, however long it takes exactly how to do these things and say, hey, now that you know how to do this, or, or actually before we even start the training process, I'm going to just say, by the way, you're going to be making the operation manual for this particular task. So you need to take really good notes. You need to ask a lot of questions. You need to understand this perfectly because later down the road, when we hire more people, they're going to be referencing this. And if you don't write this correctly, they're just going to bother you all the time. So the, the, this guy, this person is going to do a really, really good job on creating that SOP. And when they're writing it out, they're going to do, they're going to learn it a lot, a lot better for sure. That's very interesting. On this uh, last point um, that you made, um, <clears throat> Do you, because uh, this is this is the the. Actually, let me go back to the beginning. So, uh, you said to hire uh, eight players, uh, but mm. when you're a, a person just like myself, uh, you might not have the budget, right? Um, so I was talking to other uh, awesome people who had the success, and they were saying that what they do is to hire someone who has no freaking idea about what we do and then you trade them from uh, you train them from zero uh, of course that's gonna be cheaper um, in a sense because of course you still have to spend your time te teaching them uh, and your time is money as well um, but uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, how how can I do this uh, do I hire this VA and pay them like per day or per hour or do I pay them just for the time that they spend uh, doing the task and recording the task in an SOP? Uh, how, how, would you, how would you do it if you have to do it all, all over again from the beginning? Mm, it all depends on the position, right? So mm -hmm. if it's something really, really simple, right? Like let's say like link prospecting or something like going out and trying to find links that I want to, or, or websites that I want links from. So that's a really repetitive type thing. And in that kind of situation, don't bother like assigning responsibility, just do pay per task and right. you can just pay them for every website that you find that's qualified, you pay per task. And then that one's a really good structure because you never get in like circles or like, or, waste your time on thinking like, is this guy, is this guy like not working or is mm -hmm. this guy like wasting time and stuff like that? Could he produce more? Because if he's paid for tasks, he's just going to deliver as many as he can because he gets paid more. Right. Right. So that, that'd right. be a good kind of solution there. But for the most part, like anyone that's integral to your team, um, that isn't just producing some kind of itemized thing, like a piece of content or a, a, a domain for a link and stuff like that. I definitely recommend some kind of salary and, with a salary type situation, then you can have, you, you definitely want to have a certain portion of be, that be a base. So if you're hiring out of the Philippines, you know, maybe, maybe you have like $600 a month as your base. And then you have a different couple different KPIs. So for the content editor position, it could be like, okay, you have a $600 base and then 200 extra bonus could be if you hit our KPI for the number of pieces of content that you put out per month or the number that you publish per month. And then you have another $200 uh, piece of KPI based on the quality. So we'll do a random uh, quality check at the end of the month, review five different articles that you posted up. If you get five out of five of them good, that's another $200. So like, you don't just want to pay someone flat. You want to have some kind of KPI put in for both quantity and quality. And that's been working out really good for us. That's um, awesome. If, that's if awesome. I, Mm, never yeah, if I were to that. go back in time, like I would have done that from the beginning. Right, that's awesome. That's and would you say uh, hire one person uh, for, let's say my case, right? I I don't have anybody working with me right now, but like I was saying, I want to uh, get someone to help me and maybe figure out how this person can help me and which task they can do. Would you say, uh, yeah, it's enough to get one person and you know start delegating a few tasks? and uh, take it from there. Would that be a good um, strategy at the beginning at least? Yeah, I, th well, I think like before you get them on board is in the book, Who Method will, will give you like a, a structure for doing this. They call it creating a scorecard. So you want to have a, a map of what this position is going to look like and what they'd be able to do for you, right? 
So there'll be a set of outcomes that you want them to accomplish. Maybe that's, uh, I want to ramp up the production for this website from five posts per month to 30 posts per month. That would be an outcome. So when you're doing this hiring process, you know what you're, you're, you're interviewing someone and you're asking yourself, do I think this person can accomplish this? Mm-hmm. So you need to have this map before you go into the actual hiring process, rather than like, let's hire them and figure out what they can do. You want to have this whole structure of what, what they can eventually get good at and then start dripping them one by one. Like, okay, here, here's the thing that I need to help with the most. So you're doing that first and see how they get along with it. That's awesome, Matt. This topic is extremely, extremely important for myself and many bosses here in the chat. And I know many friends that we chat all day long that we're still in the trenches. This is a very, very important topic uh, for most of us in order to scale, you know, and and explode and hopefully make our businesses very successful. Let me welcome as well in the chat here, um, KJ Joe. I believe that, I mean, I don't have glasses anymore. I've lost them. Uh, Marchands UK Homebrew, welcome. If you guys have any questions, Michael, if you have any questions, brother, let us know. And... uh, do you have any questions at the moment, Michael? Absolutely, I, I do. So uh, thank you, Matt, for the, the book about hiring. I'm about now, so we're helpful. And I was uh, about to ask about different books. I mean, other business books, because I saw the Roundup uh, you provided recently, and I was wondering what would you be your number one choice when it comes to business books? First and the second biohacking books. Oh man, uh, let's see, business books. So like, I, I have, just Google like I put this post up a, long, a while back. Uh, just Google Diggity's best marketing books or best business books. I got this post with the whole bunch. It d- depends on like what what topic that you're looking for. Um, if when it comes to like scaling and stuff like that, like Emyth is really good. And uh, like that one's a, a pretty good classic, man. You, I don't know. Um, let me let me also check. I've read some good stuff recently, but it's escaping my mind. It's In terms of biohacking, um, li- I think I I read one called Lifespan recently, but it was a little long winded, and you won't really care about like chromosomes and all that kind of stuff. To be honest, I haven't read that many good biohacking ones. Um, let's see what I got on my list in terms of business books. Because I uh, have one, Game Changers. I don't know if Game you are Chain- familiar. Yeah, that was super cool when it comes to bio. Nice. Okay, sweet. Yeah, this year, I, I mean, I'd refer to that post. Um, but this year, I haven't read that many good business books. I've read a lot of them, but none of them really stood out. Uh, angel is a pretty good one. If you're interested in angel investment, it's really going to get you like super fired up. And then shoe dog, um, from the Nike guy, the CEO of Nike, that one, it's autobiography. It's not like going to give you strategies for, for building business, but it's going to get you like super fired up. Like it's just, it's really inspiring, but yeah, man, I haven't read that many good ones this year, to be honest. All right. Um, I have um, uh, a question here, uh, moving into a little bit into SEO. Um, let me see quickly. There's a question in the chat first. Let me address that one. Uh, where is this? Roger asks, uh, can Matt share some tips on how to manage multiple niche sites? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay, good question. I guess... It just depends on how many niche sites you're talking about. If you get too many, you're going to need multiple operators, which is a whole different world of challenge right there. Because right now, like if it's just you managing your portfolio, that's easy. Like let's, let's just be real about it. It's not easy. Nothing's easy in SEO, but um, if it's just you managing a portfolio, it's fine. You know what you're doing, you know, your systems and you can execute. But if you get too many websites, it's time to hire another project manager who's going to manage three or four of these. Now I'll tell you straight up the, the higher, the hardest position to hire for, because if you find someone that want, wants to work for you and manage affiliate sites and they have experience, 
then that means that they never figured out how to do this properly themselves and they're probably not that that good at it right um and then the other option is like adrian said you can you can just hire someone who knows nothing they seem talented and then you train them up and see how they work out that works for a lot of positions but for a super complicated seo project manager position which in in your and mine's experience i'm sure took years to get good at that means that the ramp up time for when you can find out this guy might be able to figure out how to do this might be nine months or 12 months later right and you're paying him that salary the whole time and like adrian pointed out it's also like your time right that could be a huge nine month and expensive mistake yeah so i just gotta say like I, I would recommend as much as possible keeping your agency, keeping your business boutique style. So keep it uh, quality or yeah, quality over quantity. And instead of trying to make business go super wide, make it make a few websites grow super tall. And what you can do in, in this case here, like let's say you have five websites, right? Go really, really apeshit crazy on the ones that are taking off right? Triple down on those. And the other ones just keep in maintenance mode. And that's where you get the 80-20 out of growing the business. And then, it, of course, like even if, even if you only had two websites and they were just going out of control, crazy good, like approaching wire cutter levels, you can still get away with this by having just a bunch of staff, right? You don't need to have an SEO project manager. You can have multiple content writers. You can have multiple content editors. You can have multiple link builders. And these guys are all plug and play and they, they, to teach something as compartmentalized as these kind of things is kind of easy, but the SEO project manager is fucking tough, man. Real <laughs> tough, real tough, tough game, tough game. Um, here's a question uh, that someone, uh, sent me, uh, I'm sure you, you know, this is uh, nothing, uh, new to you, <laughs> but many beginners to intermediate people, they um they talk about the sandbox as being some magical thing that after six months boom uh explodes and your site uh, starts to get traffic and make money uh first how do you decide how do you define the sandbox if that's a thing for you and uh, then i ask you another question about it okay my definition of sandbox is I definitely think it, it exists, I, but I would only apply sandboxing to two scenarios. Is one is when you build a new website and you're just starting off on it. The effect I see or the, how I define it is you just, it doesn't respond to SEO effort. SEO effort would include your basic content and links and you build more content and you build more links and it doesn't do anything. And then all of a sudden it just pops out. And I don't think it's magically six months. I think it's probably a combination of trust and time. So mm -hmm. you can you can apply a whole bunch of trustworthy signals to it, such as quality backlinks and um, you know nice technical SEO, good content on the website. But if you did a shit ton of that, like on day one, you're still not going to rank. So there's still some time aspect involved in it too. How how much is it? I mean, we've had sites pop out of the sandbox in, in two months, mm -hmm. sometimes four months. Mm -hmm. It just kind of depends. Yeah. Um, another definition of, of sandbox is I think there's also a sandbox that's placed when you repurpose old webs old domains to create new websites on them. They don't just like, you can't just put up this domain, put new content and just shoot right up. Google has to figure out that, okay, this, this website used to be about this content. Now it's about this content. They're similar, but I'm not going to rank this uh, new content right away. So I see two types of sandboxes. I don't, that, that, that terminology gets thrown around a lot. Like uh, <laughs> my five-year-old website, I sent like a five or gig of backlinks at it. Now I'm in the sandbox, like uh, I, I, whatever. It just means like you penalize yourself or whatever that might be. It doesn't mean it's in the sandbox, but now we're getting into SEO vocabulary. And this is like my pet peeve, like when people <laughs> There's no such thing as do follow, whatever. Just do SEO and shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's true. Uh, uh, thanks for that. I mean, um, many. I, I see this on many Facebook groups. You know, people they give this magical thing to the sandbox. Uh, would you say, um, 
uh, talking a little bit about link building, uh, since you mentioned that a little bit, would you would you build a, uh, let's say you have a brand new website, since uh, many of us look at the sun, Ooh. <laughs> I'm a vampire, <laughs> um, mm. would you, uh, I know that you're not building brand new websites anymore, uh, but would you build websites, uh, sorry, links to this website, let's say someone has this website for about two months, the webmaster decided to, um, you know, write content for two months, they have 30 posts on the website, how fast would you recommend to start throwing some links at it and, um, you know, what what kind of backlinks would you throw at it? Nice. Um, okay, so we have a, like a very specific plan, it's very detailed, um, but just want to address, like, I do build websites from time to time. I, I obviously prefer to buy them because mm. it shortcuts all, uh, part of the process, but we go into niches all the time where we just can't find anything that exists already. So then uh, we're built from scratch. And we got one that we're working on right now. It's popped out of the sandbox in about three and a half months. Mm -hmm. And we follow a process that works like this. So it, to, in our opinion, like the thing that's going to get you out of the sandbox the the most the thing that's gonna have the most leverage for getting you out of the sandbox is your backlinks. Of course, have a really strong and perfect technical SEO on your site and have good content and match the search intent perfectly. Of course, you need all you need your ship needs to be good. Now let's work on the wind in your sails, right? So yeah. backlinks. The first backlinks we're gonna build are gonna be your social profiles. So like making sure that this website has a YouTube channel, it's got a Facebook, it's a Twitter, LinkedIn, like all these different aspects on the social sphere that are kind of kind of put it, pull everything together. And we'll also take things to another level by using schema and using the same as property to say like, this website isn't just this website, it's same as, and then this Facebook page, this Twitter, this YouTube, all this kind of stuff to show Google like, this isn't just a one trick affiliate marketing pony. It's got a whole bunch of different presence on the internet, right? After that, we're going to go out and build business citations, like even for affiliate websites, even for e-commerce stores, doesn't matter what it is. Like it's obviously a signal that something is more bigger or more legit if it has a home office somewhere, a base of location. So we'll go out and even take things to another level and get a GMB verified for even affiliate sites. So we're going to go out and build business citations. So going to different industry and locality directories and saying, here's where the business is located. Here's the name, address, phone number. And then also using schema again to put the name, address, phone number on the website itself. So that's just like the base of the foundation, right? Now we start building some actual links. And what I do here is like this technique called burst linking. So I'll kick things off with like a social signal blast. So I'll get social signals from either Signal Boy or Microworkers. And what that does is just shows shows the internet that here's here's a website that's getting talked about on the social scene. It's getting shares on Facebook, it's getting tweets on Twitter. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna follow up with a high burst of links. It's, when I say high, it's actually not high. It's about three <laughs> links in the, the, week, the, the week that follows that social signal blast. And for these links, I'm doing all guest posts on websites with traffic. So why am I doing guest posts? Well, if you look at the natural course of the internet, most natural links are being placed in new articles. So that's what guest posts are. It's, I'm gonna write a piece of content for someone else. It's gonna be a new piece of content that's gonna be a link back to me. Remember in the sandbox, the name of the game is building trust. So I'm gonna do build the type of link that is most common on the internet. So I'm gonna do guest posting for this. And when I say do a guest post, I'm not gonna be getting obvious links that are that I definitely wrote. I'm not going to get a link in an author box. It's going to be on websites where it looks like it's this person writing their own content. There just ha happens to be a link to me. So that after the social signal blast, then that week I'm going to hit it with like three guest posts. And again, I, I mentioned this before, but make sure that these websites have traffic. Like that's a one good way for you to know, like whether Google hates a website or not. Does it, does it give it rankings and traffic? So if it has a good chunk of traffic, let's say just at least 1,000 visitors per month, that, that seems good enough in this phase. So then you go with three, uh, like three guest posts that first week, and then you taper down, you do two the next week, one or two or something like that the next week, and then you get down to one, and then you do one, 
and then you just chill for a little bit and then you hit another with social another social signal blast in the next month and then do the same thing again like three or four and then two and then one so what this does it just kind of shows like a natural occurrence like this website's getting talked about on social the links fire up then it starts to die down it gets talked about on social again the links fire up and dial down so we just keep that up for quite some time and then we're finding that it doesn't take that long to get out of the sandbox it's like i don't know i would say three and a half to four months on average something like that it's not a big deal if you want to see a version of this i have this all laid out in um in a pdf so I believe the URL is diggitymarketing.com forward slash backlink dash blueprint dash timeline. And you can just see this whole thing um, laid out in PDF format. Oh, see, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for it in here. Um, As it won't, you won't find it. It's like uh, not indexed. Oh, I see. I see. Um, but hey, listen. <laughs> I'll put in the show notes exactly and um, in the description. And uh, make sure you listen to the replay of this video because there you have an SOP for your, uh, for your, um, you know, for building links to your website uh, laid out for you, uh, you know, in a plate <laughs> for, uh, from Matt. Um, thanks a lot for that, Matt. Let me go to the chat quickly. There's a few questions in here. Um, KJ Joe says, uh, does Matt has experience maintaining or running foreign sites which are not European? Uh, example, Thai or Bahasa based. What kind of monetization would Matt utilize for this kind of website? Mm, so, so I always start with monetization before I start with the website. So it, it's more like I want to get into the casino niche in Thailand, which, which we're in. So... Yeah, I mean, like I start with I start with monetization. I, I want to get into the testosterone niche in Brazil. So I mean, it's it's never let's just build a blog and then monetize it later. It always starts with the monetization first, whether that's uh, English or foreign. By the way, I speak Portuguese as well. So if you need a hand, you know where to find me. <laughs> nice. Um, freaking, I, it never sold, man. We yeah. You, you never saw it. Work. Never saw it coming, huh? <laughs> I mean, it, no, no, the the product never sold. We ranked pretty good for like testosterone supplements in Brazil, awesome. and I thought like they'd be all about it. You know, they're all about the bodies over there and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, but they don't buy it, huh? I think there's something about like, um, like at that point in time when we we're into the niche, like the Portuguese were felt weird about buying things online. They do something like that. Someone they do, yeah. That's, they that's do. Trick. My wife yeah. is Brazilian, so I know I know a lot about that. And they 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 feel very weird to to buy online stuff online that they don't know if that thing is gonna arrive. You know, uh, the distribution is quite bad in Brazil. In order, you know, uh, when you buy something, maybe you don't get it. <laughs> and yeah. people people are afraid to lose money that way. You know. Yeah, and, and probably in the testosterone niche, that didn't help either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who knows what these guys are gonna sell you or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask another question from the chat. Adrian says, "Hey Matt, what's your approach when a site reach a so-called authority mode in terms of link building? Do you go steady or you accelerate the process of link building?" Thank you. Okay, so th that's a really good question. I, I would say like the the question really to ask or how I really want to answer it is when I see a site going to authority mode, my first priority is to go nuts on content, not necessarily links. So the, the great benefit of a site in authority mode is just like you put up new content, it's going to rank on page one right away. So obviously you want to put out as much content as possible. Now the secondary side effect of this is that when you grow the size of your website, let's say you double the size of your website, the amount of juice you get from your backlinks, if you never built any more backlinks, all these pages get reduced in half. We doubled the size of our website, so the 2x number of pages need to share the same amount of link juice. So you really, as a secondary effect, you need to ramp up the link building. Not because like, it's, it's going to help you anymore if your pages are ranked on page one already, but you need to supply the juice to keep up with the amount of content injection. So... I don't really have general rules. Basically, if I get a site 
that's in authority mode and it's going pretty good. We try to set a KPI to publish one new piece of content per day. And then as far as backlinks go, we try to spend almost like all of our budget. So we try to just, whatever profit it's making, we try to spend all of it on, on links um, into a certain point. Like at a certain point, you can't spend it all. Like if besides making 50 grand a month, like you won't be able to spend all that. But we try to hit mm, somewhere in between 100 to 200 RDs, new referring domains per month on a site that's really going batshit crazy. Now, I, I know these numbers are high. It seems like impossible, but we're, we're getting links from tons of different sources. So all these, we got, we got like 10 link builders like working on the same site sometimes. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thank you for that. Um, there's another question here from Imran. Uh, he says, Matt, what is the best way to rank local website? Just the main factor that moved the needle. I, I mean, don't know if he's asking what's the most important thing, maybe. If, if I'm ranking locally and there's a map pack, I just only focus on that because it's, it's above the organic search. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't necessarily like uh, websites rank in GMBs if they have an organic presence, too. And the higher you rank organically, the easier chance you have to rank the GMB. So I just make the website for good measure. But I just focus on, you know, all the local SEO stuff, you know, GMB optimization, citations, stuff like that, whatever, whatever all the crazy local guys are into now. We do a bit of local lead gen, but it's not, it's not that competitive in our particular niche. Awesome stuff. Um, Chuck says here, welcome Chuck. Thanks for your question. He says, why do agencies still push the scholarship technique aggressively? They are still working. Uh, when is that link downgrade coming? Dude, so scholarship link building has been a, a sore spot for a while, man. Mm. We have, um, I mean, there's multiple cases. So there's like supplement police that got hit. There was 10 beasts that got hit. And this was like two or three years ago. Um, like, the, I mean, Google never came out and said, like, you got penalized because you built scholarship links. But I, I run a link recovery service or a natural link penalty recovery service with Rick Lomas. And we, we sometimes, when we get stuck and we can't recover a website, we ask and we say, can you give us some examples of links that you had a problem with? And they showed us scholarship link building. So the thing is like, Google doesn't want you to, to build your own links. And even though this might seem like a white hat technique, you're basically offering money for backlinks. Here's a scholarship. Uh, I'm going to give someone money. Will you link to me kind of thing? Um, so I, I wouldn't use them at all. Like I do think EDU links work and are helpful for building trust, but I, I don't, wouldn't run a scholarship link building campaign at all, at all. Awesome stuff. Um, Pete says, hi guys, if you do not build links and just publish good content, will the site still rank? In some niche, I heard like, uh, naked Pokemon uh, goblin reviews is uh, a niche that you can rank without backlinks now. But being serious, you, if you're going to rank for anything challenging, you need backlinks. Cool. cool. I mean, there's many people out there like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with John Dystra uh, from uh, Fat Stack, I think it is. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He, he says he doesn't build links uh, and he's making shitloads of money per month. <laughs> Uh, which is interesting. So yeah, I guess you can make it, but like Matt just said, you need uh, you need to go into niches that you you have almost no competition. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's there's a ranking factor from from just having like an old website with a whole bunch of pages and building a lot of topical relevance by interlinking to each other. So like, yeah, ancient websites with a lot of pages can rank in, in local niches and stuff like that. And it happens all the time. Like, but show me one website in the CBD niche that ranks with no backlinks. Like show <laughs> me one website in weight loss or anything casino. Show me one and I'll, I'll have dinner and I'll eat my shoe. I'm going to cook <laughs> up my shoe and I'll eat it on this podcast. How about uh, doing those things? Like I bought a, a domain um, name trying to go to 
into the CBD space in Spanish? Would you think that would be easier? Have you? Uh, uh, do you think it's it's easier to rank in these spaces uh, in foreign languages? Yeah, man. Like for sure, it's the algorithm is like two, three years older than the U.S. SERPs and stuff like that. So it's going to be easier in terms of the algorithm and what you can get away with, but your competition also lower too. Mm -hmm. I, I recommend, like, definitely recommend that for you, Adrian. If you speak multiple languages, like, that's definitely what you should be doing. Um, I got a friend who was in my same building here in Chiang Mai, uh, Will Tribe, and that's, like, what exclusively what he's working on right now is just scaling up and going for the hardest niches possible, but in Spain. Or friends. Oh, awesome, awesome. That's uh, something I must do. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Sure. Um, Scooped here in the chat. Welcome, Scooped. How's it going? Uh, says, love your course. It works. Do random comments on a page. Skew SEO. Say, I have a page and it's open to public comments. Do the comments contribute to word uh, total page count and optimization? Dude, you, the questions you're getting are so good. So <laughs> we just finished some testing, right? So we wanted to test and see a whole bunch of things related to the comment section of a particular page. And Michael, this will be interesting to you too. So what we did is we had a page and according to Surfer SEO, the optimal word length was like 1,000 words, something like that. Let's just say it's 1,000 words. So we wanted to see what's the effect of doubling the word count just from comments. So what would happen here? Did, and all the comments that we would put in would have nothing to do with the content that the site is about, like what we're trying to rank for. It's just gonna be like, thanks for the article, or this was interesting, or cool stuff, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just a thousand words of that. So we wanted to see what will happen to the page. Would we just dilute the keyword density? Would we throw off our entity optimization, stuff like that? Or in, in the site would tank? Also, would would uh, doubling the word count, if we know the optimal word count for this particular article is 1,000 words, if we doubled it, is that going to mess us up? So what we decided to do, so if we saw a negative ranking um, increase or decrease, then we would just assume, okay, that can only mean that the word count being too long has fucked us up, or potentially we just diluted the keyword density. So then what we would do if we went down is let's just take those comments and we'll put keywords in there. So we'll just re-optimize and get the density back to normal levels. But what we found is that neither of those happened and we had a ranking increase. So mm -hmm. an actual ranking increase from adding a whole bunch of words that had nothing to do with fucking anything uh, on the site. So it was so stupid. It's so, so weird and unbelievable that I didn't accept the results. So we tested it like three or four more times. And it seems like the simple presence of blog comments is a, is a either a ranking factor, trust signal, some kind of like first or second degree ranking factor. Well, if you think about it, um, Google is uh, watching for those uh, interactions on your page, right? So, yeah. you know, people come on your page, what they do. And I guess that leaving a comment, it's a user interaction. So that yeah. will give you um, some some uh, points in in Google's uh, eyes, I think, and I'm uh, I'm not gonna share this page publicly. Maybe I'll I'll send you a message later. But uh, I share this page with Michael as well in another hangout. There's a website that I like to uh, go and you know see what they do, what they do, or what they're doing, how they're building the pages and everything. And they have uh, what's going on here? Someone is calling me. Um, <laughs> live streams, I love them. <laughs> um, and uh, this website, they have they have the main keyword. They get going for the best microphones in 2020. They have their uh, mini reviews, and then on the comments, they have uh, this. Um, they have these comments. You see that those comments are are either maybe done by friends or micro workers or whatever. But you see, they have. Hey, uh, Adrian, thanks for this awesome article, but uh, would you, uh, w which one would you choose for podcasting? What's the best one for podcasting? And that's a keyword, right? Or a variation of the keyword. And then they go and ask, yeah, the, I mean, the best one for podcasting is this. 
uh, and that page is ranking very, very well <laughs> and is making uh, some nice money. Based on our test, we didn't find that we, we, our assumption is that Google can see, okay, from here to here is a comment section. Mm -hmm. So they don't apply that to their word count calculations. And it also seems like they don't, they don't account that section in terms of keyword optimization either, because in my case, I diluted all the keyword volume by 50% and didn't affect everything. But the, the crazy thing, why I couldn't understand why this could be a ranking factor is because it's so easily imitatable. Like I built all the yeah. comments myself, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I just logged in and did them all myself. Like if that's all it takes to have a small ranking factor, I mean, anyone can emulate that. Maybe, maybe they just assume that's too much of a pain in the ass for people, but there's actually services that do this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Matt, it's been an hour, uh, hermano. Uh, what um, do you think? Can I ask you one more question? Maybe two questions, or how long yeah, can yeah. we have you uh, more here? We're good. We we can do a couple more. Uh, I, I sent out the family because the baby's definitely gonna cry. <laughs> so maybe we can do one or two more so we can we can yeah, let no my worries. baby back in the house, bro. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my baby girl was here. Uh, of course, you didn't see my. I'm I'm at a standing desk, so you can't hmm. see camera. Can't see what's going on here. But my baby girl was here, daddy, daddy. <laughs> Everybody just wake up now. Uh, so let me um, uh, f say, let me see. I have loads of questions here. Let me pick one that's good for me because it's my question. <laughs> so let's see. Um, do you have um, any advice? Uh, maybe we can wrap it up after this one. Do you have any advice for us, uh, small people, uh, small people in, in the sense that we you know we're still in the trenches uh, trying to make it you know hustling um, about building a successful side hustle yeah so I mean I think I think people, the difference between people that are successful at least in this this SEO business and that could be you know whether you're like Michael running a SaaS or or someone running affiliate sites or your small SEO agency. Like, I don't think it's, it's so much about uh, like mastering SEO as, as, as opposed to being a good entrepreneur. So entrepreneurship, you kind of design your business with the end in mind, like not how can I solve these problems now, but how can I solve these problems forever and put systems in place so I never have to do anything again. And that, when the next person that does these things, they won't, it's impossible for them to mess up unless they just don't read the instructions. Like you have to make things simple and structure your business uh, the right way from the beginning. So beyond that, I mean, where do you, you do need to have some SEO knowledge to figure this stuff out. Like I'd say the absolute best way to get things done is to find some kind of mentor, but that's challenging, you know, like, uh, so someone who's successful at SEO, like might not have the time to do, to, you know, mentor someone, but that'd be the best way. If you can't, I'm a big fan of courses. I have all the SEO courses. You, you might assume that like I have things figured out, but I'm forever a student and I have every single one of the SEO courses and I never stopped learning. Um, it's just a shortcut on your time, right? Like SEO, you can figure it all out on the internet, but do you really like, do you want really want to take nine months to figure out all this stuff, or do you want it to 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 present itself in one month, right? Um, so yeah, and then networking. Like, I highly recommend you know like getting in touch with other people, comparing strategies, and join those Facebook groups and have conversations, meet like-minded people, and uh, find yeah success stories. Like you success stories, reading case studies. Because at the beginning, you just kind of assume that. You assume like other people are saying they're successful, but you've never actually seen it. Mm. So it's good to actually get in touch with people and saying like, you know, like I, I started out with you where you were and here's how I solved that problem. So networking is something you should definitely not sleep on. It's uh, it's it actually was one of the questions about the, you know, uh, about networking because it's in my experience, it's it was one of the best things I've done, you know, making friends, reaching out. Hey, I'm Adrian. I'm making 500 bucks per month. Uh, with affiliate marketing, what's your story? What's your journey? So you know, then you make friends, uh, and some no, people yeah. that I I met they just like you. I mean, uh, I can't say that we're friends, but you know, uh, you know, 
following people like you and sending a message every now and then, hey, Matt, uh, this and that, that helps a lot, you know, with your motivation, with your positivity and, you know, keep pumping, uh, keep pushing forward. Yeah, agreed. Uh, uh, Michael, do you have anything to say, brother, before we go? No, any, no, thanks any... for the possibility <laughs> of joining. That was truly amazing. Uh, that's awesome to have you on, brother. Um, I hope you enjoy cycling in Poland. It's so nice. <laughs> I see in your pictures on Facebook. <laughs> um, every day. Every day, huh? <laughs> I envy you. Um, Matt, thanks again uh, for accepting to come to Hasta La Vista, boss. Is It's a huge honor. And uh, now I'm even more pumped to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and... Um, Maybe, hopefully, I know that you're extremely busy, and but hopefully sometime in the future, uh, you know, if you're not busy, we can uh, have you again. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm down. And I usually come to London once a year. Oh, please come, there. man, please. Let me know yeah, when you're there. here. Fix your COVID, and then I'll be over there. Please. Oh, yes, God, take this COVID. I mean, this COVID is kind of bullshit, but, you know, the laws are laws. Um, yeah. <laughs> We, we have to uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, abide. But uh, yeah. thanks, everybody, in the chat as well. Thanks for all your questions. Uh, thanks uh, for being here. It's, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and remember, stay focused because we're going to get rid of that boss, right? Thanks for watching.